Welcome to the Celebrate Community Church of Yankton podcast. My name is Jeff Todd, and I have the privilege of serving as pastor of this amazing church community here in Yankton, South Dakota. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it's my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. There was a teacher who was walking down the hallway during her lunch hour, and she happened to notice another teacher who, by the way, was in her first year of teaching. And uh, this first-year teacher had her forehead up against a locker, and she was muttering, how did you get yourself into this? So knowing this teacher had been struggling with her class and, and wanting to offer moral support, this veteran teacher walked over and said, are you okay? Can I help? The first-year teacher lifted her head and said, I'll be fine as soon as I get this kid out of his locker. <laughs> if you're a guest, we want to say welcome home. We're so glad that you're joining us. If you're watching online or listening to our podcast, we have been in a series, and we've just simply called this series Jesus. And our vision as a church is we want people to do what, church? We want people to do what? We want people to meet Jesus exactly right. So that's what we're learning. We need to learn about Jesus, his life, his ministry, his teaching, and how knowing Jesus can really change your entire life. And we've been talking about this as our series. 2022, we've started something kind of different, but not in a way. We, we re- really believe it as a church that we want you to come here on Sunday, but, but church is so much more than showing up for an hour on Sunday and leaving and not letting it impact the rest of your life. And how I've been describing this is really as a circle. So it starts right what we're doing right now. Every Sunday, we're going to be here, and we're going to ask that you would attend, or if you watch, or maybe if you have to work or whatever, you can get online at some point and join us and watch this. This is kind of what we're calling our episode drop. Every week, we're going to drop a new episode of Jesus, and that's super important. But, but if that's all that happens, we're going to miss out on something, and, and we're thinking of it as a circle. And the second part of the circle that we started this series is called our daily reading plan. So Monday through Saturday, there is going to be a scripture verse from our four dudes. Who are four, four dudes, church? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Good job. The four dudes, we call them. Well, the four gospels, the four people who wrote about the life of Jesus. Monday through Saturday, there's going to be a reading from one of them or multiple of them about the life of Jesus. Sunday, as we mentioned, is kind of a grace day. There's no reading plan on Sunday, but you can kind of use it to catch up, or some people even like to binge the whole week as well. That's okay as well, but that's part of it as well. But there's a third part of the circle, kind of to complete the circle, is called our weekly discussions. And here's what that is. Every week, we want you to get together with someone from the church, or maybe not, and talk about what you've read this week. Talk about how, what things you've learned, maybe from the message, maybe you bring your notes, maybe you kind of write some things down as you're reading and unpack that, maybe you have questions, those types of things. Right now, as we're speaking, we have two of those. One of them is Monday nights at 7 o'clock, and that's for men, and then we have a women's group Tuesday at 6.30. Both of those groups meet right here at Cheers Pizza Plus, um, and you might be saying, Pastor, neither one of those days or times work for me. Okay, great. What does work for you? Let's look at what we can do. How can we build into that? Because that's what I'm showing. That's the circle. And the problem with the circle is if you break one part of the circle, guess what? It's no longer a circle. 
If you want to fully get out of this series what God intends us, and I'll just make it an even bigger statement, if you want to get out of the church what God intended church to be at, you need to make sure you complete the circle and to be part of one of these groups as well. And that's how you're going to get the most out of it. So in your Bibles right now, I want you to go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 7. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to get you one. You can write that on your connection card. Also, if you have a smartphone, version is a free app or device available on any smartphone. Um, you can go there and read your Bible there as well. But as you're turning to Matthew 7, I'm going to give you the previously on our Jesus series uh, to kind of catch you up a little bit. The first week we talked about John the Baptist. And I keep joking that it wasn't John the Methodist or John the Lutheran. He was, baptism was, Baptist was not his denomination. It was what he did and, and how baptism is such an important part of following Jesus. In fact, it's one of the first things we want to do as a follower of Jesus to get baptized. And then the second week, we did something really crazy. We brought a big tank in here, and we actually baptized people. We got in the tank, and we did that. It was so much fun to do that, church, and that's what God called us to do. And we talked about what it means to be a follower of Jesus, how that's different from being a believer in Jesus, actually getting up and following Jesus, and how baptism is a symbol of that. And if you were here last week, we talked about the miracles of Jesus, how Jesus, one of the things we know about Jesus is he would go around and, and he would miraculously heal people. In the readings this week, which I hope you've been doing, church, uh, there was 11 different events where Jesus in his early ministry would miraculously heal people. But we mentioned the fact that although Jesus healed people, we talked about the reasons why. And I gave you three reasons why Jesus healed people. And I want you to go back and listen to that, but, but I'll just kind of summarize for you. Every single man, woman, and child that Jesus healed or rose from the dead or touched in that way, every single one of them eventually died. See, the problem wasn't their illness. The problem was a greater problem. Jesus came not to heal us. Jesus came to save us from our sins and to give us life eternal. And that was the main point of what Jesus said. And we believe that, that our world, I talked about how our world is upside down. We see our world is right side up sometimes, but our world is upside down. And part of Jesus and following Jesus is we're to take our world and we're to turn it right side up again. The goal of following Jesus is not so I can die and go to heaven someday. The goal of following Jesus is to turn our upside down world right side up again. And so church, I just want to just kind of say one more thing about the miracles of Jesus and the healing. I, when I preach this stuff, I want you to know I actually believe it. <laughs> and, and, and I try to live it out as well. Many of you are fully aware that my dad actually had a knee surgery uh, this past week. I had a chance to go to Sioux Falls and be with him. Thank you so much for all the prayers and support on that as well. Um, my dad's had a lot of issues with his knees. This was kind of a concern. This is why they actually moved to Yankton so we could be closer, help them out as well. Um, going into this surgery, we didn't know what was going to happen. Um, we didn't know. We knew it probably would take days or weeks of recovery, probably inpatient, to see what would happen. And, and we had the surgery on Tuesday. Everything went amazing. It was super great. And um, actually, the next day, they said, hey, I think you can go home. <laughs> and so my dad's home right now. Now, I, you can, I just want to hold off for a second. So that's awesome. Yes, we want to praise God for that. But I want to tell you something more important than that. Because I said before, I actually believe what I say here. And, and, I, and I hope that as followers of Jesus, you do that too. Here's what I want you to know about my dad. And I don't have his permission to say this. I love you. This is what I want you to know about my dad. On three different occasions, I was in a hospital room with my dad. True story. The person was there. They were doing their job, whatever. They were PT, OT, all, you know, all the people that come into the hospital rooms, right? On three separate occasions, my dad looked at this person. When they got done doing their job, and this is the words that he said to them, 
He said, hey, I want you to know I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And he said, I've been really struggling. Why would God do this to me? And I don't know why he did this to me, but I want to let you know what he told me is I want to make sure that every person that I talk to here knows that there's Jesus. He's my Lord and Savior. And I want you to know that you should believe in him. And then he would ask him if they had a church home. And if they didn't have a church home, he recommended Sioux Falls and Celebrate. Now, I'm not saying that's the reason why God healed my dad. Please hear that, okay? But I want to let you know something very important. It's not about your hurt. It's about your heart. God looks at your heart. And hopefully, maybe out of that interaction, maybe some one of the staff up in Sioux Falls right now has found or reconnected their faith in Jesus because of what my dad said. It's not about us, church. Isn't that awesome how God can do that? And that's God can do those things. That's what we're talking about here today. So uh, today we're going to talk about something that is really important in the life of Jesus, something that was a significant part of the ministry of Jesus. And to set this up for you, I'm going to ask you a question. I want you to think about what are the qualities of a great teacher? When you think of what it means to be a really great, I mean, what a great teacher, what are the qualities you're thinking about? Now, I would probably guess that some of you right now are probably thinking of a person. Someone who you had maybe in, in high school or elementary school, maybe in college, maybe they were at a job. Someone who was a really impactful teacher in your life and did a great job of that. And while you're thinking about that person, I want to share with you mine. I had a teacher in high school. Her name was Mrs. Lundquist. Isn't that a great name? Mrs. Lundquist, okay? Now, many of you know I grew up in a small town, so our high school, we had a limited number of staff, so basically you had the same about four or five teachers for every class. And so one of the things that I did in my electives is I would always pick whatever Mrs. Lundquist was teaching, I just took that. Because <laughs> I just liked her, and I liked to be with her, I liked to spend time with her, lots of different classes. She was just a wonderful, wonderful teacher. But here's what I want you to know about Mrs. Lundquist. There's really only two things that I remember that she taught me. Okay. Now, I'm sure she taught me lots of, like I had speech class, I had journalism, I had all kinds of classes with her, but there's really only two things that I remember her specifically teaching me. The first one is in grammar. When you write a sentence and you say, not only, you have to put in, but also. Not only, but also, right? If you have that, you have to, that's, I learned that from Mrs. Lundquist. I remember her teaching me that because I got it wrong a lot, right? And the second thing I remember is I took two years of German with Mrs. Lundquist, okay? I, I don't know any German. <laughs> I took that for two, I don't remember. I remember like one phrase and some swear words, but I'm not gonna teach you those right now. But, but, but here's what I wanna say, isn't it interesting? She was such a big impact in my life, but yet there's about the only two things that I remember her. Now, I'm going to say it again. I'm sure she did teach me a lot of other things. I just don't remember. But over those four years that I basically spent a lot of time with her, I just remember her impacting me. And I'm sure if we had time, you could share stories about your teachers as well. Now, I want to go the other direction for a moment. I want you to think of another kind of teacher, the kind maybe you didn't like. <laughs> and I'm sure you're thinking of some. Depending on where you went to school, you might be thinking of lots of teachers that were not the greatest. Maybe they did something or said something. You know, the person that just kind of grates on you? And, and here's why I'm saying that, because I would say that the bad teachers in our life made an impact on us too as well. You know why? Because you're thinking about them right now. And for some of us, for me, it's 20, 30 years ago. I have a teacher specifically that I'm thinking of. I won't name that person. <laughs> But it was not a good experience for me, was it? Here's what I want you to understand about teachers. And this is important to what we're going to talk about today. An impactful teacher, you won't remember what they said or what they taught you, but you will absolutely remember how they made you feel. 
how they made you feel about who you are and about what you did. See, when we talk about those good teachers, when I think of Mrs. Lundquist, I can think of two things she taught me, but man, I can tell you how she made me feel. And here I am almost 30 years later, and I still smile when I think about her, because isn't that awesome? And the same is true for the other teachers, isn't it? You might not remember one thing they taught you. Maybe you do, but I guarantee you remember how they made you feel. Maybe they made you feel small. Maybe they made you feel dumb. Maybe they made you feel unworthy. Maybe they made you feel like a bad kid. Whatever that feeling is, it sticks with you, doesn't it? Because see, the quality of a great teacher is not what they teach you. It's what they make you feel. And so going on with that, I would say that teaching, the statement I want to make about teaching is teaching is more caught than taught. Teaching is more caught than taught. You pick up what they say and what they do, not so much what you learn. Most teaching is caught rather than taught. And so talking about Jesus, I'm going to make a statement that I think Jesus was the greatest teacher of all time. And I'm going to show you some things in Scripture that support that. Jesus was a fantastic teacher. Now, I know that we've talked about earlier episodes how sometimes people will say, well, Jesus was a great, great moral teacher, but that's all he was. And we've talked about how that's not true. Jesus was a great teacher, but there was so much more to that as well. He was the son of God. But, but I don't want to miss in that statement the fact, the first part of that. Jesus was an amazing teacher. Jesus was the greatest teacher ever. And in fact, I would say, if you'd like to be a great teacher, and I'm not just talking education. Maybe you're not like a teacher education, but I guarantee you, you're a teacher. I guarantee you at your job, you're probably training somebody, aren't you? I guarantee you at home, you're probably teaching your kids. I guarantee you, you're teaching somebody. If you want to be a great teacher, study the life of Jesus. Study how he taught people, and you will learn from the best teacher of all time. And I'm going to take it a step further. Even if you don't believe that Jesus is God's son, even if you don't believe in the whole death, resurrection thing, I, I just can't buy into that. I'm going to encourage you to study how Jesus taught because I would say you're going to pick up on so many great things about life and about what it means to be a great teacher. And so we're going to go to Matthew. I'm in Matthew 7. I'm going to start in the 28th verse. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. Because he taught as one who had authority, not as their teachers of the law did. This verse, you will read this verse in your weekly reading this week when you do your weekly reading. And I hope you do your weekly reading. You're going to read this passage. It's following the end of one of the most famous sermons Jesus gave. In fact, I would say it's one of the most famous teachings of all time. It's sometimes referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. Maybe, maybe you've heard of that before. The Sermon on the Mount was found in Matthews chapter 5, 6, and 7. Matthew's one of the dudes that wrote about Jesus. It's also found in Luke 6, uh, some passages there as well. But, but I don't really like the term Sermon on the Mount. Here's why. One of the things that we'll understand about Jesus is that this message, when we say Sermon on the Mount, sometimes we get this visual of Jesus sitting on a hillside and all these people, and Jesus gave this wonderful, powerful message. Now, did that happen? Yes, absolutely it did. But here's what I want you to understand. This is the first century, okay? They didn't, they didn't have the internet. I know that's a shock to some of you, okay? They, they didn't have television. What? They didn't have television? They didn't have radio. They didn't have newspapers. They didn't have social media. Think back to what this is. Jesus would travel from town to town to town to town to town to town to town. 
teaching as he went. In every town that Jesus went to, Jesus would share these messages. Many scholars believe, and I believe the same thing, that a lot of what Jesus taught, those disciples heard in all those different communities. Jesus would say it again and again and again. Why? Because I think we need to understand that. And, and, and before we go on, I just got to gotta unpack that for a second. I find it really interesting in church that when it comes to our music, we like the familiar. When we come to a church and we, we like the music, I like to know the songs, I like to sing the songs, I like the familiar. But when it comes to church, when it comes to the message, we like the pastor to come up with something brand new every week. Something new and exciting every single week. Isn't that interesting? I just want to flip that script for a second. I, I love for the fact that I think in music, I think we need to be more diverse in our music. Because all of a sudden then our music becomes about me, right? What I like, what I want to see. I think as, as a church, we need to think more about diversifying our music. Same thing is true over here with the message. Because when I read my Bible, I don't, I don't think Jesus spent 20 hours a week preparing a sermon. You know what I think Jesus did? I think Jesus spent time with people. And then I think he'd go to a town, I think he'd preach a message. And I think he'd preach it again and again and again. And if I do that, like people say, well, you're lazy. Uh, I'm just trying to be like Jesus, right? I don't think we have to invent something new. I think we got to learn what Jesus taught. That's just a side note. But, but here's what I want to statement I want to make about Jesus' teaching. Jesus' teaching has stood the test of time. What is written in the Sermon on the Mount and what you read this week has surpassed cultures. It has surpassed generations. It has surpassed different religions. And here, 2,000 years later, those truths still stand. So was Jesus a great moral teacher? Absolutely he was. Is there more to it? You bet there is. But this week, we're going to focus on what was it that made Jesus such a great teacher. So I want you to take out your note sheet. Um, this is what this is in your chair. On the back of it, it's blank. The reason why it's blank is because there's some things on this that I want you to write down that you can take to your weekly discussion groups. But most importantly, as you're reading your weekly reading, I'm going to keep saying that, as you're reading your weekly readings, take these three things that I'm going to give you and see about Jesus' teaching, how that these apply to what you're reading. So here's the first thing about Jesus' teaching. Jesus' teaching was practical. Jesus' teaching was practical. Jesus used examples from everyday life. I'm not going to give you the chapters and the verse, but you'll read these. I'm just going to kind of go through these real quick. Jesus talked about everyday items, things these people would use every single day. He talked about lamps. He talked about wineskins. He talked about livestock. He talked about salt. He talked about money. Jesus talked about everyday events. You'll read where Jesus talks about weddings, divorces, the Sabbath, which would be our Sunday, uh, court hearings, all those things. Jesus talked about everyday emotions. Jesus talked about anger. He talked about lust. He talked about revenge. He talked about forgiveness. Things that people had in their life every, every single day. Jesus' teaching was very, very practical. Now, I, I want to go pause here for a minute and say something about, about preaching as well. I love preaching God's word. And, and when it comes to being practical, I've got to work at it. You know why i got to work at it? Because I love hermeneutics. I love hermeneutics. I love dogmatism. I love dogmatism. I love eschatology, and I love conversations about that. Like, I've been to school, and I've read books, and I've listened to lectures. I love that kind of stuff, and I love reading about that stuff, and I love preaching about that kind of stuff. But you know what I love even more? I love living out the gospel of Jesus Christ. One of the reasons why I don't go there, and I could, 
is because for two reasons. One, most of you would be asleep by the end of the day. Like those words I said, some of you are like, I don't even know what language you're speaking right now, Pastor. <laughs> and that's okay, because Jesus didn't talk that way either. Jesus talked about everyday practical things. And I know sometimes they say, well, you know, I, I want preaching that's deep. I've heard people say, I want, I want preaching that's deep. Well, here's the thing. Jesus didn't teach that way. And here's the other thing I would say. I would say that are we more concerned about talking about theology or living it out? Because you know what I found? The more people want to talk about theology, and, and I say this because this was me for about 15 years, the more people like to talk about theology, the less they actually want to live it out. See, I would rather come here Sunday, and I would rather give you practical, tangible things that you can take to your job, you can take to your home, and you can use. And I believe with all my heart that I'm following the model that Jesus did. Because here's what I want to show you. Go back to Matthew 7, verse 29. Because Jesus taught as one who had authority. Notice the contrast here. And not as their teachers of the law. Matthew wrote this line, and you've heard me talk about Matthew before. Matthew was a Jewish person. He was part of the, the nationality that born Jesus. Matthew's gospel was written to the Jewish people. What Matthew wrote in here and every Jewish person understood is the teachers at that time did not teach that way. The teachers at that time, can I just say, they focused on rules. They focused on regulations. They focused on showing you how unholy you were and how holy they were and how you should be more like me because I'm so holy. And you know what Matthew said? That's not as their teachers thought. And that's not what Jesus did. Jesus didn't teach that way because, again, like I said before from our first story, you won't remember what the teacher said. You will remember how they made you feel. And Jesus was practical. Jesus' teaching was more caught than taught, and that's what he did. Here's number two. You can write this down. Jesus' teaching was practical, but Jesus' teaching was powerful. Jesus' teaching was powerful. If you want a great movie, there's three ingredients to a great movie. If you, if you go to a movie and you say, man, it's got these three things, or if you read a book or you watch a TV show, and they have these three ingredients, you say, this is a great movie, this is a great book. It needs to make you laugh, it needs to make you cry, and it needs to make you think. If you go to a movie and it makes you laugh, and it makes you cry, and it makes you think, you're like, that's a good movie. And the same is true with teaching. Emotions are a large part of our learning. When we feel those emotions, it's very much tied to our learning. And Jesus understood that. And Jesus' teaching was very, very powerful. And this is the thing that I said before, how Jesus would travel from town to town and teach these people. The very interesting thing that would happen is Jesus would go into a town, he would preach, he would teach them, and the people of that town would literally leave that town with Jesus and walk to the next town and listen to him teach it again. That's how the crowds grew in that area. Now, I want you to imagine that for a second. Imagine that somebody comes to Yankton, South Dakota, and their teaching is so powerful that you find out that tomorrow they're going to be doing the same thing in Mitchell. So you literally leave Yankton, and you, like, first century, let's think first century, they had to walk. They didn't know where he's going to be at. There was no poster saying Jesus will be at the synagogue on 4th Street. No, they had to literally walk with the man all the way to Mitchell, and he listened to his teaching again. And then the next day, he'd go to Huron. And they see what I'm talking about? You see how powerful the teaching of Jesus must have been? That people would literally do that? That's a powerful teaching. But here's what I want you to understand. 
not everybody who followed Jesus was moved in a positive way. Look at what Mark 3, 6 says. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. Now, as your pastor, I just want to let you know, I, I've preached some messages before that weren't that great. <laughs> and I maybe have made some people mad, but I, I guarantee you, hopefully, I hope this is true, nobody's ever said after one of my messages, we need to go kill Jeff. <laughs> At least I hope you didn't say that, right? Think of how powerful that was. Think of how that moved these people that they listened to Jesus preach and they said in their hearts, we've got to get together and we've got to find a way to shut this guy up. And the only way we can think about it is we need to get him killed. Now, church, that might sound pretty harsh, but that's pretty powerful teaching, isn't it? That's pretty powerful teaching. Here's what I mean by that. As a pastor, sometimes I fall into the trap that I think that everybody that I tell about Jesus should be a follower of Jesus and fall in love with Jesus. That doesn't happen, does it? In fact, it didn't even happen for Jesus. Jesus would preach God's word. He would preach his love. He would preach his truth in a powerful and practical way. And people would look at him and say, and we're going to kill you because of that. Jesus' teaching was powerful. And here's what I want my point in saying all that. Anger is a great emotion. Anger is a powerful, powerful tool that can come out of that. And Jesus' teaching was so powerful and not only motivated people to follow him around the country, it motivated some people so much that they literally wanted to kill him and eventually would be successful at that. Because Jesus' teaching was practical. It was powerful. But here's the last thing that, about Jesus' teaching. Jesus' teaching was personal. Jesus' teaching was practical. It was powerful. But it was also very, very personal. Now, I want you to turn. You're in Matthew 7. I want you to go ahead and turn to Mark 3. It's just the next one over. Go to Mark chapter 3. While you're going to Mark chapter 3, I'm going to set this up for you. Jesus was in a town. And Jesus was teaching in a synagogue. Now, just for practical purposes, this was like a Sunday morning service, right? We know that it was on Saturday, but it was kind of the same idea. Jesus would come, people would gather for their weekly gathering, they'd read scripture, he'd give a little message. This is what's happening in here. And this situation is recorded in both Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the same situation. So you read about it this week when you read about it, but we're going to look at the Mark's account of it. In Mark chapter 3, and I'm going to start in the first verse. Another time, Jesus went to a synagogue. A man with a shriveled hand was there. Some were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. Now I'm going to stop right there because I'm telling you, as you go through this, as you're reading God's word, as you're learning about Jesus, what I want you to do, when you read a passage, I want you to pause, like I'm going to do now, I want you to pull some things out of it. So kind of to set that example for you, I'm going to do that with this passage. I'm going to pull two things out of this verse that we just read that gives us some insight into what Jesus' teaching was. The first one I'm going to pull out is where it says, some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. Jesus is there teaching. It's a Sunday worship, just like we're doing right now. But some people are in the room because they want to set Jesus up. They're waiting for him to do something wrong so they could come out and they could get him. He, Jesus knew that. Jesus knew their heart. He knew why they were there. Here's the second thing that I pull out of that. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. Now, I want you to think about this for a second. When you have a disability, if you know someone who has a disability, the worst thing you can do for somebody with a disability is say, hey, everybody, look at this. Okay? I want you to picture this moment in your mind. 
Jesus is sitting here preaching just like this. And it's probably after the message, right? It's probably like after in the meet and greet time. You see this guy with a shriveled hand. He says, come up here. And I want you to stand up here in front of everyone. Can you imagine the humiliation? Can you imagine the shame, the hurt? And you might say, where is Jesus going with this? Look at verse 4. Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil? To save a life or to kill? But they remained silent. I remember that first part that I said. Jesus knew there's people in the room right now that are just here to see if I'm going to heal on the Sabbath. And, and they don't get it. And I need to show them something. Just to give you some historical perspective on what's going on here. There was a law that said that you needed to honor the Sabbath. It's one of God's top 10 commandments, right? Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. God set that rule, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And then what the, the religious leaders do, those teachers we're talking about before, they went and they tacked on a bunch of other rules. And they said, okay, what does it mean to keep the Sabbath holy? We can't just keep it simple, God. We've got to make it complicated. So we're going to give you this laundry list of things you can and can't do on the Sabbath. You can do this on the Sabbath, but you can't do that. You can do this, you can do that. And why were they doing that? Because like I said before, they wanted to make sure that they were so holy and you weren't. They wanted to make you feel bad. And that's what they're doing with Jesus. They're saying, well, Jesus is such a big prophet. He won't heal on Sabbath. If he brings somebody up and heals on Sabbath, we know that we got him. But Jesus wanted to expose something in them. And that was the word hypocrisy. Now, if you have one of those teachers, that's one of those teachers you don't like, you know this word, the word hypocrisy. You're going to tell me to do this. You're going to say do that. But then I see you over here and you're not doing it. And that's the worst thing that you could do. And, and, and Matthew, you can stay in Mark 3, but I'm going to jump to Matthew's account real quick because I think he pulls this out really good. Matthew 12, 11, Jesus said to them, if any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Remember Matthew. Matthew was written to the Jewish people. This was one of those little laws that they had added. These, these people that were sitting in Jesus' crowd waiting to accuse him of something, had a rule that said, you know what, if I go home today and it's a Sabbath and my sheep is, is, is in a tough spot, falling well, I can lift them up. That's one of the okay things to do. I'm okay to do that. And Jesus said, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You're going to go home and take care of your sheep, but you don't care about this person? Because I want to give you some more historical perspective on this. Because see, what Matthew understood and all the Jewish people knew is that guy who had the disability was considered unclean. None of those teachers wanted that guy even in the room. Because if you had a deformity, you were considered unclean. And if I were to touch you, I would become unclean. And they would probably give him those looks. What are you doing here? Maybe they'd even come right out and say that. What are you doing here? You don't deserve here. You don't need to belong here. Ever been to those churches? I have. <laughs> Where you have that. And, and now Jesus is having this guy stand up right in front of him. And Jesus asked this question. He says, which one is it? Is it better to do good or evil to save or kill? If you had a sheep, you'd go out and you'd fix your sheep. But you're telling me you can't, you can't heal this guy? And then I want to go to verse 5. And church, this is so powerful. I don't want you to miss this. Verse 5, he looked around them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. The language in this verse could not be more emphatic. And I wish I had more time to unpack this for you. But Jesus, if I could just say it as simple as possible... Jesus was ticked off. Jesus was fired up. When he asked him this question, he knows why they're sitting there, sitting there just to try to set him up. There's this man standing here that Jesus could heal like that. And they're waiting to see if he can do it so they could accuse him. And he asked him this question. They don't say a word. And Jesus is furious. 
Now, I want to back up for a second and tell you, if you have an image of Jesus where, you know, he's sitting on the hillside and there's rainbows and butterflies and everything's great, and this kind of like Buddha hippie image of Jesus, that's not the Jesus in the Bible. Jesus hated hypocrisy. And Jesus would absolutely get furious. And the language here couldn't be more emphatic. He was so mad. Are you kidding me? You're going to stand there and you're going to be hypocritical. You're going to be holier than thou. You're going to go home and take care of your sheep. But I got a guy standing right here that I could take care of like that. And you're going to dare to stand there and try to accuse me. And the rest of verse (laughs) 5, Jesus said to the man, stretch out your hand. Now, we know the rest of the story. We know that the man stretched out his hand and he was healed. But I want to stop in this moment. I want you to understand the tension in this room. I want you to go back to what I said before. This man has a shriveled hand, okay? He might think that he might have done something wrong to make this happen because sometimes that was a thought that your sin caused this thing. Jesus brings him up in front of everybody, has everybody look at him, and Jesus looks at him and goes, stretch out your hand. Think of how humiliating and how insulting that must have been. I guarantee you every eye in the room was fixed on Jesus at that point. And I say again, we know the outcome. We know that it happens because look at what it says. He stretched out his hand and it was completely restored. Amen, praise God. Here's the interesting part. I don't want you to miss church. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all record this event happening. Not one of them record one word of Jesus' message. Not one of them say one verse that Jesus taught. Every single one of them and every single person in that room never forgot that powerful moment where Jesus brought the guy up with the hand. And I know there's people in the room that are trying to shoot me down and trying to shoot down my ministry. And I'm going to bring this guy up here and I'm going to show you. I'm going to expose your hypocrisy publicly. And I'm going to say, listen, if you had a sheep, you would go home and take it. And you have the audacity to sit here in the synagogue and call me out and say that I shouldn't heal this guy when I could do it just like that. And he did it, and it was so impactful. Why is that, church? Because Jesus was a great teacher. And and I'm going to go back to what I said last week so you don't miss this point. Jesus cared deeply. And and I want to personalize it because nothing becomes powerful until it becomes personal. I'm going to say that again. Nothing becomes powerful until it becomes personal. Jesus cared about this guy. Jesus was not using this guy as an object lesson. Jesus healed this man because he cared deeply about him. But the point is, he wanted to show the hypocrisy of saying, listen, how dare you take God's law and use it for your own advantage? How dare you use it to belittle another human being? God's law was here to protect and serve and to worship God, not to use it as a score sheet to show how much greater you are than everybody else. And every single person in that room got that point that day. And if I go back to what that first verse that I said before, then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill him. I didn't tell you that at that part. That's the next verse. <laughs> that was their response to that because Jesus' teaching was powerful. And, and church, here's the thing. We need to take the knowledge we have of Jesus. We need to move it from our head to our heart. That's what happened in that moment. That knowledge, that understanding of that moved from their head to their heart. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus' teaching is more caught than taught. And now I want to ask you the question, how are you doing with that in your life? Because every day you are teaching someone. You are teaching your kids what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. 
And, and I'll just, can I just say it? Just the simple fact that you're in this room or you're watching online, you're doing a great job. <laughs> you might not feel that way, but you're doing a lot better than a lot of others, right? We're not keeping score. That's all I'm saying. I'm saying every day your actions are teaching something. And how do you love somebody? Do you, do you keep a score sheet? Do you, try to, do you try to blame other people? Do you try to minimize that? See, that's not what Jesus taught us. Jesus was the greatest teacher of all time. And I'm gonna say it one more time. It's these three things that I want you to understand. And as you're reading this week, look at these three things. As you hear what Jesus is teaching, think about these three things. Jesus' teaching was practical. Jesus, God is not some abstract idea that we somehow maybe, maybe the really smart people, maybe the pastors can learn and see that. See, I believe that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in every one of his believers. You have the same access to scripture, the same access to the spirit that not only I have as your pastor, but also Jesus had. It's practical. Don't make it complicated. It's one of the main reasons why we're doing this daily reading plan. I need you to get over your fear of the Bible. <laughs> if you're afraid of God's word and you're nervous, Read it every day. It'll get better. Trust me. Jesus' teaching is practical. It's not an abstract idea. Jesus' teaching is powerful. It should trigger you emotionally. It's okay if you feel sad when you read Scripture sometimes. Sometimes you read Scripture and it'll make you sad. That's okay. Sometimes you read it and it'll make you laugh. There, there, there's humorous things that can happen. Sometimes it'll make you angry. When you see the injustices in the world, you can get angry and frustrated about that. So did Jesus. Now, how you deal with your anger is a different conversation, right? Jesus never, Jesus did it well. Jesus' teaching can give us hope. And that's the biggest thing that we can get from Jesus' teaching. And, and the love, the love that comes, the genuine love and the genuine concern for every single human. See, Jesus' teaching was powerful, but Jesus' teaching was personal. Nothing becomes powerful until it becomes personal. And I want you to know that over 2,000 years ago, Jesus gave some great teachings. He wrote it for you. This week, as you're reading, I want you to understand what you're reading is about you and in your life and in your situation. That's the power of Jesus' teaching. It transcends culture. It transcends generations. It transcends religious beliefs. His teaching is because it's God and what God does and what he loves. Jesus was a fantastic teacher and just in the same way that when you think back on those teachers that have made a big impact in your life, I hope the greatest teacher that you have in your life is Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, I always struggle at this moment because I, 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 I feel like what you had to say today is far greater than my ability to communicate it. So I'm going to trust that your spirit is working right now. And if there's anything that I said that wasn't from you, I, I pray that you would just remove it from the hearts and minds of the people in this room. But Jesus, you were such an amazing teacher. The, the words and, and the truths that you spoke not only came directly from Scripture, but also to show us that our world is upside down and how we are to live a right-side-up world in an upside-down world. And God, I thank you for... Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the efforts that they made to make sure that those teachings were passed down to the early church and through the generations to us today. God, forgive us when we just dismiss Jesus as just a great, just another great teacher, just another great lesson to learn. Because Jesus, you're so much more than just a great teacher. 
but Jesus also forgive us when we go the other way and we kind of minimize your teaching because it was powerful. Your teaching was practical, but, but most importantly, Jesus, your, your teaching was personal. You were okay to get up in somebody's kitchen and say, hey, I need to tell you something. But you didn't do it out of malice or out of uh, ill will, Jesus. You did it out of love. God, I'm so grateful for teachers in my life who have pulled me aside and said, listen, Jeff, I love you, and I need to tell you something. This needs to change. Those moments hurt sometimes. <laughs> I'm not usually very happy with them, but I'm so appreciative when they do that. And Jesus, that's what you were doing that day in that synagogue. You said, listen, this is a heart issue, and we need to get our hearts right. And some of the people got it, and some of the people didn't. And God, I pray that we would never pull back from that. When you've called us to do something, that we wouldn't be afraid of what other people think. We wouldn't be nervous to say, yeah, I'm doing this daily reading plan with Jesus because I don't know what you'll think about that. God, sometimes we care too much what other people think and instead we should realize who we are in you. God, I thank you for your amazing teaching. And I'm just gonna say again, Every single one of us is teaching every single day, whether we know it or not. I pray for the people who are watching us follow you. I pray that when we get it wrong, because guess what? We are going to get it wrong sometimes, that we would be quick to confess it. We would be quick to ask for forgiveness, and we would be quick to move on, because that's what you did. It's all equal at the foot of the cross. God, I thank you so much and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. If you live in the Yankton area, we'd love for you to join us Sundays at 10.30 a.m. at 310 Walnut Street. You can check out more content on our website, yankton.church, or our YouTube channel, at Celebrate Yankton. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe to it and share with others. God bless.